Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leela McRae is with me as usual. And we have got a lot to discuss this week. We may or may not have a list for you, depending on how long we talk about everything else. And we're off to a great start right now with me explaining that. So let's just jump in to the VHSL's statements on statements regarding the potential for fall sports. Uh, they announced that off-season conditioning and practices are allowed, but earlier, uh, basically right after we dropped an episode, uh, they had released an earlier comment about what the phases look like. And of course, there's some confusion on what phase people are going to be in. It was my understanding that schools are currently across the state in phase one. If a school district would like to enter phase two by the beginning of the school year, that's allowed, but they have to write, they have to submit a written plan on how they are going to institute the social distancing policies that are required. Which, and I think that's where, that's where Augusta County sitting right now is. I think, I think countywide, from what I understand from tweet and write ups, I believe by Patrick Height and other people, they're in phase two that, now that they got permission from the state. Yeah, and they got that paperwork in, but they were still waiting until for two weeks from from this Monday that the VHSL is allowing for the schools to go forward with the plans. I I, I think there's so much confusion. I it's just at some point someone's gonna have to step up and be like, "This is it. This is it. This is it." And the VHSL, I don't think, has done that yet. They well, yes and no. Uh, to me, the VHSL has said. Phase two, you can individual sports, fine. Team sports that don't have contact, okay. I don't know what team sport that is in the fall. It's certainly not the one that a lot of people are looking at. Um, but, sure. So, for me, I football mean, is not even... Football's not even entertained football. until phase this three. Yeah, football's not even entertained until phase three. And even then, it seemed like it was highly discouraged. So... Look, it has contact. Like yeah, every play, contact. I, I don't know. It, it's it is a little frustrating from a standpoint of just come out and say it. Just come out. And it's it's what we said with the spring sports. We know what's coming. Stop this hope aspect. Just tell them if it's not going to be a thing. Just say, look, this is what it's going to take for football. Okay, this and this only. There's no gray area. If we don't have this, you don't play football. That's going to suck. And we're sorry, but this is what we're going to have to get to. Yeah. And for I, all the people I, that said this is going to go away by the summer, surprise. The states that opened up first are now seeing their first spikes in cases, and they're, some of them are having to shut down. Florida's started to close bars again, which they had opened them up. Now they're closing them again. Uh, you got college football camps that have been opened that are now having to shut down again because they've had a large number of players test positive while they're at camp. The people that just thought this was going to go away have been proven wrong because that's not actually how science works. And so they're having to face a tough reality pill. And we'll talk about reality pills here in a minute, but in terms of other stuff going on. But it, it, to me, the the description of the phases and when people start on what phase has been confusing because I've seen a lot of state media say, uh, and by state media, I mean media in Virginia say that, oh, well, whatever phase the state is in is whatever phase the school district is in. And I was like, no, that was very opposite said, I thought by the governor, but it seems like there's a little bit of ambiguity there. But anyway, 
any way they can make things more clear, more direct, they yes, need to they do need it. to do it. And like, just don't have them called phase one, two, and three, like the state public policy is. Have them phase A, B, and C, or some, or you know, yeah, some different sense. indicator to like just anything you do can do to make it clear. And it's just everybody's living with so much uncertainty because we have to try to where you can have certainty, have clarity. Just don't just operate everybody in confusion because no matter what we're going to do we're going to have confusion so where it's obvious that you can just be clear be clear be direct say what it is say we don't know now if, but if yeah. you're going to come out and present something you're saying you know something so then act like it and i it's just and, and this i mean this is a universal problem across the board with all different aspects of this pandemic um so it's not just on the head of the vhsl but he's not he's not standing out being good. I mean, he, it's just he's falling into the same traps everybody else is. Wherever you can have clarity, have clarity. Yeah, let's let's move to college ranks because um, I think you and I have said what we can about the VHSL as it stands right now. Um, if there's a season, I'll be the happiest guy on in on 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 this podcast. I'll be happier than you. Because that's uh, not a really high hard. I was going to say it's usually so, a low bar, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just, I would be shocked at this point. Everything keeps pointing negative, and wherever you see something positive, then it gets twisted back to a negative. I just, I just would be surprised. I'm getting worried about every aspect of sports. So. Virginia Tech basketball got a big grad transfer today from Delaware and Justin Mutz. He's a 6'7 player, which helps Tech on their biggest problem over the years, which has been size. Uh, it's definitely not going to be a problem in the coming years because they have recruited size, especially this offseason, uh, incredibly, I thought. So I like what Mike Young's doing down there in Blacksburg. He's got a lot of, a lot of players that I think are going to help contribute to this team. And uh, obviously the end of the year last year wasn't great for Virginia Tech basketball, but I think Mike Young has the program building in a solid direction, and I like the direction they're headed. Devil's advocate. Um, from what I understand from this podcast and what I've learned and what I've been taught by my co-host, he's not from a Power 5 conference. He's transferring from a non-Power 5 school. So he's trash, and we don't want him anyway. Um, <laughs> I guess the difference would be football and basketball – Football and basketball are different. Um, you can't have as many players in basketball, so you still have good players that aren't at Power 5 schools. Football, the rosters are so big, it's very rare that someone from fr someone from somewhere like F uh, St. Francis, which is a doormat in the FCS, can go to a Power 5 FBS school and be good. That's, that is almost never. He's going to UVA, so I can't wait for us to shut him down and erase him and him be a total, total loser when we beat them by 50 points this year. That's going to be awesome. If we play. As I, as I said, it was devil's advocate to begin with. I just wanted to, you know, touch on some of the inconsistency in your broad statements that you basketball and football are two different sports. And I would argue though, you say the roster is bigger, but you're also dealing with a lot different body type. Uh, I mean, you have a bigger range of what you're looking at for different things you know, wide receiver amount of players like this kid is. I, 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 I wanted the last kid to be, I wanted to not just dismiss him because he was coming from a small school. And so I wanted to bring up 
how you contradicted that with this, but that's fine. I think this kid's going to be good. I, I like the video I saw on him. I liked uh, the high school video and the college video that we saw. It seems like he probably went to Delaware and he probably could have gone higher from the beginning. So I think this kid's good. I, I, I'm really not trying to say that he's not. I just was bringing that up. Um, let's talk about the rest of the NCAA. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the world, and we probably don't need to dive into our personal opinions on these different aspects, but Florida State's having an issue because after um, the protest started, the head coach said, well, I personally talked with each and every one of these players, and then one of the best players on Florida State's team says, no, you haven't, and that started a big thing. Clemson, Dabo Sweeney wore a shirt uh, that was just dumb to wear, and, uh, and people didn't like it, and people went after it. Oklahoma State, the coach, again, wearing a T-shirt that's just not on point for the moment, is just that, that one of the best running back on the football team sees the shirt, says he doesn't like it, and everybody's behind him. We have more items, but what do you got? I would say the difference between Clemson and Oklahoma State is I don't. I think the people that got mad at Dabo were not necessarily inside the program. The program, that's that's true. The people in I Oklahoma know, State I that got mad know. were was his running back. That was his own player, and in that player's defense, Star. in that player's defense, look, whatever you want to call OAN, fine. They're calling Black Lives Matter though on that network a criminal organization. So yes, a black running back might take issue with that. And so Mike Gundy needs to be aware of that as a leader of supposed to be a leader of men at Oklahoma State. He needs to be aware of what he is doing, especially something that's going to be on social media. Keep moving forward. Iowa, they got rid of their strength and conditioning coach after he was uh, unfair to players, uh, apparently because of their race. But no matter what, there is straightforward where he was being wrong to players period. I don't, I don't care how we're defining them. Uh, he was being, um, acting outside of what his limits as a strength and conditioning coach are. He's been let go, but the players are still kind of calling out for more attention to this because it, you know, just getting rid of the coach doesn't mean anything when the players are still being forced to go back if they want to keep their scholarships right now, uh, Ohio state and SMU. And I'm sure there's more, and we're going to hear about it in a couple next couple of days. They have pledges or waivers going out to the players for them to sign that if they contract the COVID virus while they're on campus, that they can't hold the university liable. Um, all of this is, I, we don't need to tear apart each one of these issues. I just think it's a great time that these players now have the, the strength and, um, you know, the, they, they feel emboldened to step up for themselves and to say, hey, this is how I feel, and this is where, you know, I'm going to make my voice hurt, and I'm going to say this, and I don't agree with how this is going. It's not just the head coach just doing something stupid and everybody has to get in line. I like that these players are speaking up for themselves. They're getting other people to agree with them on the football team because that's all that matters. And It doesn't matter what the fans say, what the outside media says, and that's, that's your point on Clemson. But when the inside players are having a problem, I love it that they seem to have found a way to gain some power and have some some power. Some power is the, the only really word. And they're going to, you know, hey, I'm not doing another activity until I'm heard. I think that's I think it's great for these players who continually complain that they're getting no money for what they're doing. They're not, you know, the school's making so much money off them. At least now 
they have found a way to be heard. And I think it's a great thing for NCAA football. Yeah, um, I do too. I don't know what to make of the play, the pledge slash waiver thing. I, I don't know how I think you would we're really early on that one. I mean, that's, yeah. that's we're at the front end. Yeah, of that I don't know what to make of that one. Uh, the other ones, as you said, we don't need to go into each individual one and talk about it. I, I've already talked about the difference between Clemson and Oklahoma State. I think when it's players yeah. inside the program, I think you have a bigger issue. And I, I saw the apology video that came out tonight, and I still don't think that was handled well. But if if the team if the team either way yeah if the team is okay with his apology video fine i didn't really hear an apology but okay uh i'm not the one that has to i think oh yeah if he has a bad year at oklahoma state he's gone you you can't put up with this and have the shenanigans that are going on right now and florida state's coach good luck florida state's coach good luck it sounds like he's lost the locker room he hadn't even coached a game there yeah yeah i yeah i think both of those are probably the, the biggest situations. Um, the whole pledge thing, I just think we're on the front side of that. That could Which, end up being the biggest worry. But, yeah, Florida State, Oklahoma State, I think both those coaches are, are in a go, hole. To go Florida to Florida State, State for a second, play. what a dumb thing to lie about. Why would you yeah. even Why would you even just lie about it. that? It's just so stupid. Just, just say, look, I plan on talking to my players. If you haven't, just say, I plan on talking to my players about it. You don't have to say, I've talked to each individual one of, I've talked to them individually. Uh, Wow, just dumb thing to lie about. Let me skip over Major League Baseball real real quick, Leland, because when we get on that, it's, I'm going to go for a little bit. So let's, (laughs) let's talk NFL. Ezekiel Elliott and others have tested positive in the NFL. Uh, Yeah, not great. Zeke today seemed upset that that got out. He does yeah. seem to not quite grasp what HIPAA protects him from. HIPAA protects him from like the hospital releasing his information to other people. It doesn't protect the media from if they have that information saying it. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's something in my workplace, it, it comes up and um, we probably overdo it. We're probably, you know, operating in the spirit of HIPAA. Uh, even though some of those things wouldn't apply to some situations that I've been around, but we're all trying to be respectful of each other. But yeah, uh, Kyrie's agent admitted that he confirmed it. The story was already written. He just confirmed it. Well, you know, sometimes those people are just looking for a second source. So when your agent's like, oh yeah, confirming it, man, that, that takes it a long way. So yeah. I, I wonder if Zeke might revisit that line of thinking right there, but either way, um, it doesn't matter that Ezekiel Elliott has it. Players have it. And so I don't. I, we don't necessarily have to concentrate on that. I wonder, do people think that these sports are just going to get back and no one's going to have it? Like, it seemed like with the first round of these colleges coming back and Alabama reported four guys having or whatever number was, it seemed like people kind of took that in stride. Yeah, and people are going to have that, you know, and, and we hopefully they get better and everything and hopefully it doesn't spread. But now, like all of a sudden, the NFL today, and there's some, and it's like the world is falling. I, I, I do people think that people aren't people don't have us? I mean, I when it's it, four it, people it, at Alabama and it's not a star, that's one thing. When it's the star players getting it, and then they can't, they're worried about. It's the same thing with the NBA, right? Like if the bench yeah. guys get it, no one cares. If LeBron James tests positive and can't play for two weeks, it's gonna lead, and then there's gonna be people being saying, "Should we have come back?" I mean, gosh, this is terrible. Like, Lakers are gonna have to play without their best player. That's who we want to watch. But why are they freaking so much about Zeke having this in June? Like, like they, you would assume he has time 
since he's asymptomatic. Yeah. You think he has time to clear himself of this since we have so many. We keep getting reminded of the number of people that tested positive and now, you know, aren't testing positive. I why can't Zeke be one of those? Why are people so fired up about this day? I just it, it just seems know. like a trigger today that I don't understand. It, it just made me think people are dumb if they think no one people aren't going to have this. I think Star he's the first. Yeah, but like, I think he's one. the first star player to have it. I think in the NFL at least, and I think that's why it's a big deal. But I don't well, know who, I mean, uh, why why it matters we, in June when they're not going to be playing until September anyway. I don't know. Let's go. Let's just jump back to baseball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So Major League Baseball's Rob Manfred on draft night says 100% there will be baseball in 2020. So fast forward to today, which I believe is somewhere between three, five days later, something like that. Uh, Now he has told Mike Greenberg, I can't guarantee that there's going to be baseball this year. I don't know. The The owners have said today that because the players union after the last owners proposal which is the same proposal that they have been proposing just with different numbers of games thrown in it's the same prorated percentage they want the players to take off their prorated salary that they already agreed to and they think that by the players union still saying no that's not an agreeable percentage they think that somehow the players negotiating in bad faith when the owners are the ones proposing the exact same thing every time i saw it put perfectly on social media the owners have gone to the players and said hey um i know you want a dozen donuts but what if we give you a half dozen the players say no and the owners go okay i hear you what about six no what about two sets of three no okay we can do three sets of two that's our final offer no oh now you're just not being reasonable that's the owner's argument here and we're going to talk about it more here later, Leland, but I've caught most of this long gone summer 30 for 30 that was on Sunday. And that's about two people that I know were not playing the game cleanly. But I'm watching this documentary and watching the highlights and reliving that um, from what I can remember, nine or 10 at the time. So I don't remember everything, but I'm rewatching some stuff, remembering some of the stuff that happened, learning and reabsorbing other information. And I'm not going to lie. I got teary-eyed watching it just because I love baseball. And I'm not going to get it this year because the Major League Baseball owners are too worried about pennies. They're not, they don't have the foresight because they're too stupid or they're too greedy to look at the bigger picture. Your average fan is 57 years old. And in 20 years, when the most of your fan base is dead and gone, what is that sport going to do? They're going to die. They're going to die like all the dinosaurs have ever died before. And they're going to deserve every bit of it. And Rob Manfred is a coward, and he is the worst commissioner in the sport. When people say Roger Goodell is the worst commissioner, they're dead wrong. Because Roger Goodell doesn't deal with this. Roger Goodell has never had the NFL about to go on strike. You know why? Because he's an effective leader, and he gets the people in a room, and they get a deal done. What is Major they, League they, Baseball doing? They were very doing? close one time. Just to be fair to you, what you just said, they were very close one time. But did they get there? They didn't. What is Robert Manfield? Like, What's Rob Manfred they, doing? They're not even going to play baseball this yet. year. They're not going to play baseball this year. 
They missed the golden opportunity of getting games July 4th weekend, being the only major sport playing. That's new eyeballs. NASCAR has record ratings. Golf has record ratings. You know why? Because there's literally no other sports. But Major League Baseball and the owners couldn't stand the idea of maybe losing a little bit of money, which this whole argument of, well, baseball is not very profitable. And then this weekend it gets announced that Turner Broadcasting paid $4 billion for the league championship series. That's the playoffs, the semifinals of the Major League Baseball playoffs. That's all they're paying for, and they gave you $4 billion for it. So don't come over here and tell me about how you're strung for cash. You're liars, you're cheats, and you're frauds, and you're exactly what is wrong with the game of baseball, and I hate it because I love baseball. We joke about it. What, what would we give up for $85 million or whatever it was? And I told you I couldn't give up the Orioles. Well, I'm going to have to give up the Orioles because the Major League Baseball owners are too stupid to get their heads out of their rear end and get something done for the love of the game, for the love of their sport. They can't get it done. We got to cut minor leaguers because we can't afford to pay them a livable wage. So we got to cut the number of minor league teams and minor league players just so we can pay a minimum wage the ones that still exist. We can't have uh, 80 games. We can't have 70 games because, well, there's not going to be fans and we might not make money. Well, how are you going to make money in 10 to 15 years when people still aren't going to games when they're able to, but they're not going to games because they're tired of your stupid nonsense? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Major League Baseball owners. When baseball comes back, I'll watch because I'm a diehard and I'm a freaking sucker. But they're not going to get most of this public back, and they deserve every bit of bad press they're getting. I, I cannot root for the owners. I cannot root for Rob Manfred. And the day Rob Manfred leads, leaves baseball will be a great day for the sport of baseball because he is actively killing it right now by not standing up and mandating a 50-game season. And the owners want to lock out. That's fine, Rob Manfred. Put the real perpetrators on the table. Call their bluff. Say, all right, you want to lock out? Then put it, put it on writing. Put it out there in the national media. Put your name to it that you don't want to play baseball because you never did want to play baseball. You didn't want a 2020 season because you think that you're going to lose money. It was never about the players negotiating in bad faith. You were negotiating in bad faith. And stop this dumb spin that the players are being greedy because not a single soul is buying it outside of maybe certain people who are cozying up to the billionaire owners. They already negotiated in good faith, and they got it done. They got it done right after the season was you know, delayed at that point. And uh, so it's bull what they're dealing with now. And the players, I mean, I see tweets out there, you know, whose fault do you think this is, players, owners, or both? I mean, it's owners, 100%. Owners, all the owners have to do is make it right, and it's done. They're playing. That's because the players the play- called their bluff. There's no Kyrie Irvin. There's no Kyrie Irvin in baseball. They're going to play if you just do what you've already negotiated. Since the coronavirus started, there was a negotiation. You came to an agreement. All you got to do is that, and it's over. You're playing baseball. The players called their bluff. The players had been asking for 80 to 100 games, which would have been about 50% a little above you their prorated salary. But, but. They knew if the commissioner mandated it, the commissioner could mandate a 50-game season. That goes back to the last agreement. So players would actually only be getting a third of their what their annual salary was supposed to be, a little less, actually, than a third of what their annual salary was supposed to be. And now the MLB owners are threatening to lock out. Why? 
because they never wanted a season to begin with if they couldn't bully their way through the players association on this. They're sick, they're frauds, and if you buy the owner's rhetoric, you're dumb too. And the thing is, they have a a whole collective bargaining to do next year. 2021. Yeah, the 2021 season, if we get it, enjoy it, because it'll be the last season of baseball ever, because they're never going to come to the negotiating table. They're too stupid. It's just ridiculous um, that we're going down this road again, and you know we're going to talk about the documentary about the summer that saved baseball is basically how it's framed. And, just so they uh, could kill it here in 2020. 1994 road again. Yeah. Hey, hey, you wonder why Kyler Murray decided to go to the NFL? This is why. Because yep. the NFL is going to play. Right. Let's get out of A block. Let's get to Alex uh, from WHSV here on the B block. We'll be right back with that. All right. We have... A two second time visitor. Uh, back to the podcast this time. At Alex Flum from WHSV is back to join us, and uh, we're glad to have you back on. We had you. Uh, what was it last summer? I think we had you on, and uh, you know you dropped some news that you were uh, leaving WHSV here uh, shortly. So I wanted to have you on the podcast one last time. Uh, I know everybody's kind of wondering what sh- what your plans are. Uh, moving forward, um, why don't you touch on that a little bit for our listeners so they kind of know uh, what you got going? Sure. Well, it's great to be back on. Uh, after you asked me to come back on again this week, I actually looked back to listen to the last podcast to, you know, go back and, and see what we were talking about back then. And I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, we actually talked about the Nationals uh, right before the playoff run. And I said they had a World <laughs> Series run in them, possibly, but it was going to be tough, but it could happen. And Somehow it I did like- happen. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, and I listened back to it, and I think Leland said to me some crazy optimism there from you. But uh, I, I listened back to that um, the other day, and I just couldn't believe listening to that. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, it was um, a precursor to 2020. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've been saying two DC sports teams win, or three if you, you count the Mystics, yeah. the Mystics, the Cap, yeah. and the Nationals. DC sports teams winning titles in two years. That's when, you know, the world is probably ending, <laughs> but, uh, um, but it, you know, because that, I mean, the world would be on fire right now if, if the Redskins would have had to won us. Right. Well, <laughs> well, hopefully we'll still get football though. But, um, but, but anyway, um, yeah, I, my contract at, um, WHSV actually, um, ended this June. I've been here for two years. It was my first job right out of college. Um, I came in, uh, and they took a, chance on me and I was so grateful for it and I've really 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 enjoyed the last two years in the valley the biggest thing I've been telling just about everyone is is no matter where I am whether it's in Augusta County Rockingham County Harrisonburg up north anywhere else um, even in West Virginia we cover some games and things everybody has just been so kind um, and I've been so really thankful for my time here I've learned so much I've really valued my experience covering JMU especially covering high school sports too because is that something I didn't do as much of um, in college and, you know, end zone was just a blast every week and doing our student athlete of the week stories, um, every week. It's, it's an experience. Um, I'm always going to cherish and the Valley is always going to have a special place in my heart. Um, uh, that being said, I I don't know what I'm doing next yet. Um, I've applied kind of all over. Um, I've applied places on the West coast, places in the South, places on the East coast. Um, 
so we'll see where where I end up. Um, but I I do know that I'll be back to visit in the valley um, in the future. So when it comes to your memories of covering the local sports here in the valley, what have been some of your favorites? Um, I mean, just like I was saying just now, Enzo, and I mean, um, I had covered a few high school sports games back in college where I was in Maryland, um, but I hadn't really, you know, gotten to cover, uh, you know, high school sports in the Valley um, or in Virginia. And I, I remember like it was yesterday back in 2018, our first end zone week, it was Spotswood against East Rock um, and just seeing this amazing atmosphere for high school sports. Cause I'm from the DC area and in the DC area, people care about high school sports, but you know, they got the Redskins and the wizards and the caps and the Nats and everything, um, you know, and, and all these major colleges. So high school sports kind of take a backseat to that, but I thought it was really cool how in the Valley it's like, these kids, these high schoolers, they're the stars. And, um, and I talked to a lot of athletic directors since I announced, um, that I was moving on the past few weeks or so. Um, and the big thing, a lot of them has said, you know, you made our kids feel big time. And I I think that's really cool that we're able to do that. Um, and, and I think end zone, um, absolutely makes them the stars and, and all of our other high school sports coverage too. And, and, I'm really thankful I've been able to do that and tell really cool stories through that and, and getting to work with TJ too uh, has been awesome. What are some of your favorite and best teams that you've been able to cover? Is there, is there a team that sticks out any sport? Um, well, I think when you start with football, um, I know you guys know this well, Riverheads is, yeah. is a machine and um, it was just amazing seeing the dominance from them while I was here. Um, I think a lot of different teams at East Rock have kind of been hot lately. Um, I, I mean, the TA football team it was really cool to see their run. Um, softball teams, uh, Fort Defiance softball. I mean, they got a lot of young talent. If we're talking Augusta County, it was cool to see that. Um, but just, you know, I, I mean, just all the different stories and, and, I mean, whether a team wins or not, um, I think everybody, you know, plays well and everybody, um, you know, has had great stories and it has just been so kind and, and awesome to cover, you know, whichever team it was, whether it was the team winning championships or, you know, whether it was the team that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, another example of a team winning championship, I mean, I guess Stanton, when back when they were Lee, the soccer team, I mean, they had all these great academic athletes and then they worked their way up to the championship. I remember being down there. I think it was in Salem, Roanoke, somewhere down there. Um, Radford, that's right. And I remember being in the pouring rain yep. filming that <laughs> soccer game. And I, and I think I, they won at the end. It was just so cool to see because all those guys have been playing since kindergarten all the way up until senior year. I mean, I remember at the end, they like huddled all around um, the coach, Holmes Tarani, and he's dancing in the middle. So, I mean, it's just kind of cool getting to cover these teams and, and, you know, each of them, I felt like had their own unique story. So you talked about end zone is kind of probably one of the highlights of your coverage. You know, I mean, the things that stick out to me the last couple of years with you being involved as at least as a part of it, you know, the the uh, having the players on the field for, for most games, uh, maybe not uh, every single school, but uh, having the players behind you, uh, you know, celebrating after the win and, and being part of end zone that way. Also, the. Um, where the players uh, answer the funny questions. Uh, I guess you do guys do that preseason and then uh, roll them out throughout the season. Um, 
what has been kind of your highlight of the end zone program? What are you most proud of, uh, of doing on the end zone program? Uh, well, I think the really cool thing with end zone and TJ came in, um, a little bit before I did, he was uh, in Nebraska before he's originally from Pennsylvania. And he kind of had a lot of different ideas of how he could redo end zone, how, how he could change the show. Cause you know, end zone has been a staple, um, with WHSV and in the Valley. Yeah. Yeah, I know people have been watching it for decades. Like I've heard stories of people crowding into bowling alleys after a game in West in like Pendleton County to to jump, run over and watch the end zone show. So I, it was hard to, you know, make such big changes to the show. The biggest change TJ did in our, in our first season of the two that I've been here for um, is he changed um, the game of the week to be a little bit more of a highlighted thing. And I was kind of in charge of that where each week TJ and I would sit down and say, okay, this is going to be our game of the week. That'd be the game I'd go to um, at six o'clock. I'd interview a coach or, or I'd stand with the, uh, a fan group live, maybe some like high school students. I know I did that a few times, but usually it would be an interview with a coach or two coaches in some instances. Um, and, and then like you brought up at the end, we would have, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of just thought of it right before the first game that I was talking about that Spotswood East Rock game. And I said, you know what? It'd be cool to have all the players stand behind me and to say, you know, go nuts. And we ended up doing that with basketball, too, um, for some boys and girls basketball games. We did a little bit of basketball game of the weeks this past season. But, yeah, I think that was just really fun just to join in on that excitement. And I always told them, you know, coach can come in, too. I know one week Spotswood was in it. Dale Shiplett was back there in the raid holding up a number one. <laughs> Uh, finger i think when they won the valley district back in 2018 um but yeah end zone was a blast and and you know getting to be in there in the celebration i almost got knocked over um maybe two or three times but um i did (laughs) and i I really hope that they'll be able to continue that on because you know you know hopefully high school football will be able to be played safely and and um and i really hope that they'll get to be able to still do that celebration and uh, you know, once this virus passes and social distancing isn't a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're all hoping for that. Um, so speaking of uh, the less than positive uh, coronavirus, you know, you've been, uh, you know, still working uh, for this last little bit, but um, also you obviously had to have a little more time on your hands, not chasing the sports stories around and going to the different high schools and all that. So what has filled void what's filled the time for you since you've uh had a little more time on your hands to choose what you do with well it's been uh interesting i I, i'll say i've been weirdly exercising a lot more than i used to (laughs) i mean uh my primary exercise i would try to go to the gym or play basketball when i could but i you know be so busy with covering so many games um but now i can take walks and i've started playing tennis recently um a funny one I think a lot of sports fans will like is I dug up my PlayStation 3 and I've been playing NCAA March Madness 2010, which I think is one of the best games that's ever made, you know, taking over a college program. I tried to get JMU for it, but the teams, it would only give you certain teams you could work for. So right. I built up Richmond and got them into the ACC and then I played as Vermont. So, um, but th- then uh, I decided to go back to my Xbox eventually and play a little bit of 2K. But, um, but yeah, other than that, I haven't done too much to pass the time. You know, I'll get bored sometimes, but um, just thankful, you know, that, that I'm able to, you know, sit down and play my PS3. <laughs> yeah, 
what have you have you been binging anything? Uh, any TV shows that you would recommend? Um, I know I watched something. It's it's hard to remember because I feel like I, I watched a show and and two two months ago is you know two years ago at this point. <laughs> right. Um, but I did I I watched the um, end of the last season of Survivor. Um, and I'm a really big Amazing Race fan, um, so I've been watching a lot of old show, uh, old seasons of that. Um, and I did see a show on Netflix that I like, and I think um, Leland was a little critical of that on Twitter. But I saw this show, Never Have I Ever. It's created by Mindy Kaling, who was um, on The Office, um, and I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a pretty good show. And have a kid, and then tell me that you won't be critical of that show. <laughs> but um but I'll, I'll i'll i will call you as soon as that point comes and let you know if I, um i've always been a really big um curb your enthusiasm and seinfeld fan i really like larry david so i i'm watching curb as always um but other than that i, I haven't really been watching much oh i did watch the last dance um yes i thought it was oh, awesome was i really enjoyed it. you had to <laughs> I'd like to see the Alex Smith documentary. I didn't get a chance to see that. Um, I know good. they did like a little. They did like a little E60 thing on him, um, and I I know they had the Lance Armstrong one. I was thinking about watching that, but uh, I don't know. I heard people didn't like that one as much. Well, Lance isn't uh, as he doesn't have as charismatic likableness that Michael Jordan had, so uh, it's a little exactly little the same. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Alex, we uh, appreciated having you in the Valley for two years. Uh, I know, uh, sad to see you go, but I'm sure you're going to be successful wherever you wind up, and I can't wait to uh, see the success that you have. And uh, maybe down the road, you get, you get going on an end zone somewhere else, uh, and we'll, we'll call you back and see how it is covering, uh, you know, not covering Riverheads and Spotswood and East Rock and, and what your experiences are up the road. But good luck to you wherever that is. Thank you guys so much, and uh, I'll be happy to come on again wherever I may be in the future. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thanks again, man. Okay, Leland, let's talk about this documentary, Long Gone Summer. Um, I already touched on it. I, I've enjoyed – I've got 30 minutes left, but I've enjoyed it up to this point, and – I don't know. Maybe maybe I have softened a bit on Maguire and Sosa watching this, but I still don't think they played it clean. I still don't. I still wouldn't say that I would point to them as the true home run kings. Uh, well, because Bonds outdid them, and I don't point at Bonds as a true home run king either. But I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not going to get baseball now, and I dismissed it. But it was great to watch that and see what that meant to so many people and the fans and McGuire and Sosa themselves. Um, I will say for a bit of a lighter comment, I don't think I've ever seen Sammy Sosa with the slicked back hair. And I don't know if I care to see it again. He looks like a yeah. mafia Don kind of, and he's got that stained glass picture too in the background. It's just, I, I, maybe that's his family. I don't know what it is. It just looks kind of weird with his slick back hair and then the red rose too. It just kind of all, I'm like, there's a little much when they have him on camera. I'm like, there's too much going on here. I can't focus. 
And plus, it just it just doesn't look like Sammy Sosa. You look at Sammy Sosa, the player, and you look at him yeah. being interviewed, and it just doesn't look the same. He's got a lot going on, and I I don't I guess I don't have comments for all that, but just yeah, a lot of the choices of uh, his optics of what he's wearing and where he's sitting, and it just seems strange in the least. But yeah, I thought the I enjoyed I enjoyed the thirty for thirty. Um, you know, I probably. I, my view of the doc itself, like, that was good. I thought it was going to be better. I heard a lot of hype um, when it was debuted at, like, Sundance or or maybe not Sundance. It was some, some film festival last fall, and it got a lot of hype from that, and that was really good. And um, I don't know. I mean, it was fine. It was good. I think, like, for a 30 for 30, it was, it was in there, though. But, I mean, I'd put probably 10 other 30 for 30s, traditional 30 30s ahead of that easily that I could think of. Um, but it was good. And I think it just brought you back to that time and reminded it, it did more of a job for me of reminding. I thought it didn't. I don't know if I told the story the way I viewed it. I viewed it that summer was just hype all summer from July on, you know, that Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. I think Griffey was kind of already starting to fade or early in July was already fading. And I think, I think the documentary showed Griffey fading quick and that's fine. But um, even though I love seeing Griffey in there, um, but I, I, I don't know. It made it seem like the hype train for the two of them really wasn't there until like August. And I just thought it built it a little differently than I remember it. I remember in the middle of July, just focusing on those two. And so I thought that missed a little bit there. Um, the best segment of the, of the show though, is when he, when he's breaking the record, when they have that series in St. Louis, which they try to make like the only two times they played each other the whole season, they played five games in August, just weeks before that series, but okay. Um, but it, that segment was the best segment, the music. And this is where it kind of lines up with, you know, the storybook, aspects of this that I, I forgot some of it, you know, the dates align and for Mark, Mark McGuire and all this different stuff that just is, that just continues to happen in baseball where these dates of things happen, these number of things happen and it aligns with some other dates and numbers. It just continually happens in baseball. Uh, some of the stuff that I remember though, the him hugging the Maris family, his son being there, it was just great stuff, man. And it, it just, man, watching that just made you feel so good about baseball for the first 45 minutes of that for that or first hour and 45 minutes of that program, the last 15 gets real um, and talks and, 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 and tells the other part of the story of, you know, since 98 and what, you know, and, and what's come out and who's admitted to what and who hasn't and, and the torn relationships and this and that. But um, I don't know, man, that just for an hour and a half, at least I was sitting there just smiling and, and this wasn't either one of my favorite players. Um, and the one I was rooting for that summer only has gone down my list ever since then because he apparently forgot how to speak English and stuff like that. I just, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it, but I enjoyed just the memories that it brought up, remembering conversations I had that summer, remembering my anticipation of watching baseball tonight to see what they did every single night. It was just, it was good. It was fun to watch. I think it shared, like the last dance, I thought was pretty well done and it was made as an entertaining show. I realize people take faults at the last dance for 
not being a strict documentary and not, you know, certain people I didn't talk to. And it, for a sports documentary, it still falls in that category. I thought that was better. The memories that the Jordan Bulls brought back to me was great, but then also that was just told in such a, I thought, a very compelling way, a really drawing way. Every end of every hour of that documentary kind of left you with a punch. And this kind of just meandered along and told the story and, and made you remember things. So I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I'm glad it happened. Um, not the greatest thing I've ever watched, but definitely something that at the end of it, I texted you and I was like, man, I, I'd watch any baseball game you want to throw at me right now. <laughs> like any major league baseball game you want to give me right now, the Blue Jays and the Diamondbacks. Let's go. I'm ready to watch that thing because it, it's just reminded you of a great summer of baseball and when everybody was in on it. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I don't know. I know certain things I can get emotional about. And like I said, I, I got a little teary eyed watching this documentary, especially when he hit number 62. And like you said, seeing him run around the bases and you could tell just the relief that was for him and the lead up and his family was there. His son, Sammy Sosa sprinting from right field to hug him and all that. I mean, it was, it was incredibly. Jack Buck. Yes. in tears i'm yes. like i don't know if i'd ever seen that before that was a new thing for me and i was like oh like as soon as i saw it i know chip carey was talking about it they showed jack buck before chip carey even says what's happening and i was like oh my goodness like i reacted like out loud like oh my like he's crying like and i know who that is and his uh, that meant a lot to me someone that watched that many games in their life and was in the middle of what st louis cardinals baseball is him crying and that's his reaction when that ha- i mean that just Man, that kind of drilled me. Yeah, I, you know, I, I had water in the eyes. I wasn't crying like Jack Buck, but I mean, to be fair, I didn't. I haven't seen what Jack Buck has. So, um, but, and like you said, it just made me miss baseball. Like I got thirty minutes left of this to finish still, but, and I know that the last fifteen talk about the dark side of it, but, um, I just, I just threw it though. I'll watch. I'll watch the Orioles and the Tigers. I'll watch the two worst teams in Major League Baseball play. I don't. I don't care. I just want to watch baseball. And I mean, damn it, get it done. Like, I, I'm tired of the argument of we can't make this work because you know, oh, us poor MLB owners. Open up the books. Prove it. You're not going to because then you would totally get exposed as total frauds and liars, and we would never trust anything you ever say again. Uh, but prove it. I know the Lerner family is a bunch of liars because they're trying to change the deal with the Orioles and Masson. So, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't trust them for anything. Anything the Lerner family wants to do, I'm going to be against. I think they're all, I think the Lerner family is a bunch of dirty liars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I got no argument here. Um, what was something that you saw and what you've watched that like was new information to you? new information see because i've because be a baseball fan even as i've grown up i've tried to watch as much i, I don't I, remember I, I didn't remember in the moment i remember the rumors but i didn't remember in the moment during that chase him being so cavalier with what he was taking yeah i i do remember that i was waiting for him to get to it in the documentary because i i thought it happened earlier in the season than apparently it did uh, just in my memory, and and they have the date, so like, I'm not saying it's wrong, but yeah, I I remember that controversy of that, and uh, I didn't remember he, him getting thrown out in the first inning of that game either. Taken. 
I didn't remember him getting ejected in the first inning of that other game when they had a sellout crowd and the fans throwing everything. I didn't remember that either. Ump show. Nice to know that was going on in 98, too. I liked the thing that I that kind of hit me was I forgot 97. I, I remember that he was traded yeah. to the Cardinals the year before that. I forgot he had 58 home runs. Mm-hmm. And I know that was between two leagues. I think he had 34 at Oakland and then 24 at St. Louis. He didn't come there until August. They make it out that he was got to St. Louis and struggled. He had 24 home runs in two months. Like he, he didn't struggle, but so much. Like I yeah. mean, he was he was on he was on the right average there and still got to 58. Um, but I I had forgotten he had that many home runs in '97. But contrary to that, I remember going into '98, everybody hype about Mark McGuire and Griffey, just like they said, who's gonna do it? And there was other guys that would get brought up. You know, there was other names that would get brought up. But they were right in the documentary of showing that in spring training, there was a lot of hype about the home run chase before anybody had hit number one. And so uh, that's what that's hard, man. And I think you see it in sports a lot. You see that summer. It weighed on Mark McGuire from the beginning of summer. He had to answer questions every single night about hitting home runs. And it's just the same questions over and over. But you see other things. I mean, you see LeBron James get hyped at 17 and he's done nothing to disappoint. I mean, you, you can. You could find you could be a hater and find little aspects. I mean, how many championships has he won? And he's gone to the finals. How many straight years? Like all that kid, every other seventeen-year-old we've ever hyped up has not done anything like LeBron James. Um, but you you see that with these home runs. You see that with you know you're going into football seasons and expect the Patriots to go undefeated because they're just so well. And then they go the whole on regular season undefeated. They just can't get it done in the last game. Like that's the hardest thing in sports is to live up to these expectations that are just impossible. But that's what makes it so good when these players actually do it. Like the fact that LeBron James has been so good that the fact that Tom Brady and the Patriots, I don't like them, but they got so close. I mean, they were right there. Like that's what made that Super Bowl awesome was, can they get it done and then dance on their grave when they don't. And that summer when Mark McGuire got it done and, and it's just really incredible. And I think all in all this documentary I've softened, I think on day one of Barry Bonds retiring, I'm like, he's, I never want him in the hall of fame. And, and I was good with Sammy and Mark. No, no hall of fame. And I've softened. And I've said it on this podcast before that, well, and I've softened and I'm not sure. I don't know. I think at this point, like, why don't we just come up with a way of a standard oh. way of acknowledging it? Get it. Like these are some of the best players. They've they're There's some of these, most of these guys that we talk about, that we debate about, that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame for what they have done, they they are such a big story, such a big part of baseball that I just can't wait to just get them in there. Fine, put an asterisk on them. Put a sentence on each one of them. Put a paragraph on each one of them. I don't, I just, it just seems like having all these guys missing just seems like it's wrong. They are famous. They are the best. I think Colin Coward today said it was HGH body uh, arms or HGH bats against HGH arms. So just put them in there and, and let's talk about it. And I, it's just, I think I'm, I think I'm there. I just like put them in, acknowledge it. And let's, let's celebrate what a great summer that was instead of act like it's this, you know, like Sammy Sosa not being invited back to Chicago. Like we shouldn't be dealing with this. They should celebrate Sammy Sosa in Chicago. Like why, why not? 
just just do it. They celebrate in Mark McGuire in St. Louis. Yeah, I've kind of softened over, gosh, I guess the months here. Um, I mean, they say they don't want him in there for the integrity of the game. What integrity? There is no integrity. This this I mean, whole this whole negotiation here during the pandemic has proven there is no integrity in baseball. So I don't care. Put them all in. I don't care anymore. Put them in, and you know what? Do me a favor. Don't let the owners in the building. If you want integrity in baseball, you don't let them back in their own suites when this is over. It's just hard to let them let them stay at their their mansions, collect their checks, whatever. But they can't step foot in that cathedral that is a baseball stadium because they haven't earned the right. They're despicable during this whole thing. There is no integrity. So put McGuire in, put Sosa in, put Bonds in, put Clemens in. Um, I will say the one thing to go back to this documentary, that Cubs pitcher that was like, I wasn't happy, but I'm like, dude, get over it. It's not about you. Like, it was minor though. They didn't harp on it. So I didn't get that. But yeah, I've yeah, already forgotten his name. And you know why? Because he's a nobody. Nobody cares about you. They never cared about Perhaps. you. You're a Jeopardy question. That's what you are. Um, it's just hard. I, I think in the, it was the ones that we talk about, should they be in the Hall of Fame or not, is they all have a similar story, except maybe Sosa. But Barry Bonds, he was a heck of a baseball player before you ever had a hint of, of steroid. I mean, he was a Hall of Fame type player in Pittsburgh. Um, and in all accounts, he didn't hook up with steroids until San Francisco. And even after he was at San Francisco for a time. So, uh, plus, I, I mean, there's quite a bit there. Plus, we're not, we're not, ta- we're not talking about banning the Astros from the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we're not doing anything to the Astros. We're not doing Mark anything McGuire, to them. Yeah. Mark McGuire, rookie of the year, set the home run record for rookies that stood for 20-some years. Um, he was a home run hitter from the beginning. He was smashing homers. I remember him in the early 90s. I, I'm not sure he had early, uh, home runs early or uh, steroids early in his career or not. Maybe he did. But, man, even in college, he was paying him. He was built big, like – Let's just accept some of it. Yeah, he took some stuff. Yeah, he did. But I mean, it was he—he he had some great records as is. Sammy Sosa. Now, I remember him as a player before he, he blew up. He wasn't really on a Hall of Fame track. The, the steroids or whatever he did—that I guess he still doesn't admit to—still doesn't. It probably did kind of change the course of where he was going. But still, under that, playing against other guys that had steroids hitting in a league with other guys that are hitting steroids he hits over 60 home runs like three different seasons i mean he was just pounding it out like just i think you just got to get these guys in there i just i'm I'm there now i guess i was i've always stepped off that more or had a little more hesitation i just like just put them in there like that's the story of baseball you can't tell the story of 90s baseball without these guys and that documentary just drives that home and as much as I like Ken Griffey Jr., and I think he didn't take steroids, um, I think he still gets the credit that he deserves, that he was one of the best. And it, I, I say, I make the statement like someone's going to argue with me, and I've yet to be argued with, that I think he played the game better for a time period than anybody's ever played the game. Sure. But, like, these guys had the summer where they, they smashed this record in one year. How do you, how are we not telling that story in the Hall of Fame? How is How are their faces not in there? For guys to, for kids to walk through generations from now, look at that and understand what happened the same way that people walk in the Hall of Fame and see what Roger Maris did. 
I still I I just talk about the home run record as a collection of people. I don't think I don't think it's Barry Bonds. I don't look at Mark McGuire and just Roger May. I just think it's those. It's that group of guys that outperformed everybody else in their time periods, one way or the other, cheating or not. And it's great, great to know and study. And and it. I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Applies so much to that that record in particular because it's just it's what baseball has really is really about. It's what it's always been about, and it's what it'll continue to be about as long as it exists you know, for the next 10 years until everybody that likes the sport dies. You know, that's that's what we got. Oh, hell, we're saying they saved the sport of baseball. Why wouldn't you let them in the Hall of Fame? They saved your sport. They saved your sport so you could kill it again 12 years. Yeah, they saved it so you could kill it again in 12 years. So, yep. Who's going to save it next? I guess it's been longer than that. God, what? It's 22 years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, keep forgetting. It's 2020. 2020. All right, let's get to the D-block. Okay, Leland, let's get into the D-block. You start off, what is dominating your life? Netflix, 13th, watch it. That's that's really all I got to say. It's a very well-done documentary. Talks about uh, when the 13th Amendment... um, came into existence was written into law and the results of it and things that have reacted to it since and i think it's just a well-done documentary and um kind of making an effort to watch uh things to broaden my scope of learning and understanding uh in recent weeks and this is one of those and i i don't know of a person that shouldn't watch this documentary on netflix i think it's made for everybody i think it's it's facts it's well done um they move right through things um they take they attack it from all different angles. There's no, um, you know, there's no safe party or no safe side to any of this. Um, everybody's has a chance to get fault at what they've done. And um, I think you watch it. That's, that's really all I got to say. I don't, not a whole lot of explanation. Watch the thing. It, it'll, it'll make you, it'll give you more awareness of history in the very least and make, hopefully make you understand things better if, if that's what you need. All right which I think we all can need. So, Yep. I, I agree. I'll have to put it on my list to watch. Um, it's, it's on there with a lot of other things I need to get to on Netflix. Um, the last, the last two weeks I've given you good ones, man. You have, uh, and I've been, <laughs> I've been watching the office instead. Um, <laughs> what's been dominating my life. Uh, I made a last minute audible there, but the English premier league is coming back this week Leland so starting next week we'll have something to talk about Liverpool Everton and the Merseyside Derby this weekend happy Father's Day to you happy Father's Day to all the fathers just make sure as part of your Father's Day you're watching Liverpool whip the pee out of Everton and get one step closer maybe even claiming the English Premier League title on Father's Day wow what what a highlight to 2020 that would be. It would be the highlight of 2020 as it stands right now. That's such a low bar. <laughs> what, what I know that you need to know is it's time to enter the top 20 of the Billy Joel countdown. I know Leland has been thinking all week about what songs are 20 to 11, so let's not waste any more time. Famous Last Words comes in at number 20, and that is just a 
great, great song by Billy Joel. Now, number 19 on this list, if you watch HBO's McMillions, or no, is it McMillions? Or McBillions? It's McMillions. The McDonald's documentary they did? McMillions. Yeah, McMillions. That's what I thought. Uh, McBillions is where MLB owners steal billions of dollars from fans and then try to say they don't have any money. I forgot. That one's coming later. Uh, Easy Money is the song that plays at the end of the series uh, in the last episode. Uh, Great song. Fantastic song. It's about gambling, too. Uh, So, gotta love that. Number 18, pretty popular Billy Joel song, My Life. Uh, That's one that maybe Leland's heard of. Um, And I like that song. 17, a very similar song, in my opinion, to My Life is You May Be Right. I may be crazy, but it just may be a lunatic you're looking for. That one is that song. Um, And number 16, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. The reason my brother and I both love this song is it's actually three songs in one. So it starts out kind of slow, and then it kind of picks up a little bit, and then it gets to an even quicker part, and then it kicks back at the end to the slow part, the original part. So there's almost like three songs inside of this one song. Fantastic listen. I highly recommend it to every one of our listeners. Number 15 is going to be Tell Her About It. That's another just great, great Billy Joel song. Uh, that is fairly popular. Number 14, I Go to Extremes. Uh, wow. It's a great song. I've been on Extremes in this podcast. I've been super angry. I've been super happy uh, and super sad. All in the same podcast. So this song is kind of like a Joe Deck theme song. Number 13, Everybody Loves You Now. Another great tune from Billy Joel. I believe that one's off the Cold Spring Harbor album, which, again, chef's kiss to that one. I love that album. Number 12 is Zanzibar. That's a pretty good song, too. Um, Obviously, I think that because it's at number 12. But that one has a little baseball lingo in it, too, where it talks about Pete Rose and the Yankees. Uh, Number 11 is River of Dreams. That's the one that Lila misquoted a few episodes ago when we did Jeff's Bracket. But that one comes in at number 11, just outside my top 10. Really love the song River of Dreams from Billy Joel. It is a good one. Very, very good one. That's why I quoted it incorrectly. All right. <laughs> what I know that you need to know, just to round out a story that we kind of touched on, uh, I think the last, last two weeks, uh, Galax has a new head coach down there, Shane Allen. He's one of the assistants. He's stepping up into the head coach role as uh, we've talked about Mark Dixon headed over to Pulaski County. Uh, you know, the big question locally for Augusta County sports fan is, hey, when Riverheads faces Galax or, you know, will that happen kind of thing? Um, I think it's, for their, for their sake, I think it's good that they hired within. I think that always helps in a good, well-run program, which Galax is, to keep, to keep it in-house. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible to have success outside of that. I know Riverheads tried to hire outside, and it, and it seemed like they had a guy that might do a good job there. Didn't work out even to get him to his first game. But um, for for however reasons, but I do think when the day comes that we see that regime change there, it won't be a regime change. I think it will be handled more in-house. I think they kind of learned 
that that wasn't the smoothest process for whatever reasons, and that next time it probably will be more of a smoother process. So I think it's smart for Galax to stay in-house like they did, and they have a chance to maintain the momentum that that program has. They've, you know, won a state championship in the last uh, five years or six years. They went to another one this past season. They have a lot of good athletes coming back on this year's team. So I think uh, they made the right call there from what I can tell from afar. And, you know, I'll be the Joe Deck on this situation. I I think Riverhead's face is Galax again this season. However it happens, um, you know, what what round of the playoffs that's in or however it is, I guess it's got to be the state playoffs. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting uh, if it is them again. And, And I just, with the amount of talent that they have returning that team, I think it'll be hard not to see that, especially since they're staying kind of with the same mold there. Yeah. Uh, you didn't go quite go full Joe deck where you told our listeners the reality that if, that if we play, no one is going to be within three scores of riverheads. So, I mean, yeah. can you imagine but if you there is any team, if there year? is any team <laughs> built to not be able to practice before the season starts and just have to be able to go cold Turkey into games, it's riverheads. They've run the same offense forever. They know what they're doing. Everyone knows their yep. job. They're returning a ton of yep. players anyway. All these other teams are going to have to come in, try to learn cool new plays, and try to figure out how to beat Riverheads because it's the easiest offense to figure out, apparently. Just nobody does it. And they give up, you know, 40-something points a game. Yeah. So, and they have, they have a weight program and conditioning program that is basically built around, you know, personal uh, accountability and, and teammate accountability where, I mean, people, you know, people talk about Riverheads and they say, you know, is, is Robert Castro just out there just, you know, just, um, just, you know, beating them in the weight room, making sure they do what they got to do. And no, he's not. He, he has established the standards there and the players take care of the rest. And so it's um, for, for a program, these kids are still working in the off season. They're, they're out there getting it done one way or the other, they're running, they're lifting, they're moving hay, whatever they got to do. And, um, so it's, it's just, yeah, I, I said in many ways for the, uh, for this pandemic. And I think in a lot of bad ways, I think the rich are just going to get richer. I think the, yeah. the, the rich people are going to get richer. I think with the schools being so much in upheaval and having problems, those kids that already have the advantages of parents that are involved or parents that have the ability to really teach them well at home, those kids are going to take off and the kids that don't have that are going to be left behind. I think um, in sports, you know, these, these people don't have the off season conditioning where you can kind of make up for what you don't have during the season. These teams that can't have that, the ones that are just built like Riverheads as an example are just going to be better off. So I, I think, I think in so many ways, this pandemic will just prove that the rich get richer and uh, we'll see that play itself out for the next couple of years, probably. Yeah, um, I think I think you're exactly right. And uh, I, look, I pandemic or no pandemic, I wasn't putting anybody within three scores of Riverheads anyway. So yeah. why would I do it now that there is a pandemic? I mean, it just wouldn't make sense. Uh, look, it just goes to me. It also goes to speak to just what Coach Casto has built. Again, everybody says it's the easiest offense, and there's nothing hard about what they do, but at the same time, uh, but- it, you say it on Friday nights, and I agree with you. I, Whenever I hear somebody say, oh, Riverheads is just, they run such a basic offense. I'm like, well, if it's so basic, then stop it. Like, if it's so basic, just stop it. should be easy. Yeah. You, you can't seen- because, because you're not good. 
because you're not good enough. Minimal times in my life, I've seen it stop, and 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 you know it it can happen. Galax, and we're just talking about Galax. Galax did that in a state championship. They stopped them for for four, three, and three quarters of a quarter of a game. I mean, they had them, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's just then stop it. Everybody talks but all the no time. Dis- no disrespect to anybody else in the Augusta County, because we watched some games and we got excited for some games. Yeah, we had a lot had of good teams. Draft had a great team last year. Yep, that game yep. was being billed as the game of the decade, and Riverheads got in there and Riverheads walked all over them. And it's not yep. because River Stewart's Draft was a bad team. It's just Riverheads is disciplined. They know what they're doing, and despite being told by everybody it's such a basic offense, they know what they're doing, and they execute better than everybody else, and that's what makes them better. And that's that goes to coaching. That goes to Coach Casto and what he has built there in his time at Riverheads. They can get beat, but they're just not going to beat themselves. They're, you know, they're going to yeah. they're going to win there. You you got to beat them if you're going to beat them. It can happen. It just doesn't happen often. So this All was right. Leland's dream um, episode. This was the Riverheads episode. So go ahead and take <laughs> us out. Hey, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have more of those in the fall. I'm sure. So uh, thank you all for listening this week again. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook at YakSportsPod. Or if you want to email us and interact with us privately, YakSportsPod at gmail.com. Make sure your friends know to find us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Pretty much wherever you can, you are listening to your podcast, you can probably find us. And if you're having any trouble finding us, ask us. We'll get it to you. Um, so until next week, hopefully we have a little more live sports to talk about or getting closer to more live sports to talk about next week. Uh, but we will appreciate having you now and then, and this has been the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.